to you on the subject of the great outpouring, where there was the great pouring out, the emptying. Last week we looked at that where Christ said that he came and he emptied himself, uh, which meant that he restricted himself, he, he limited his self, so that he might fulfill exactly what it is that Christ was up to and what he was wanting to do. It's a very difficult passage of scripture. It uh, would be considered adult Christianity. It uh, has lots of meat on the bone. And so I'm going to be honest, um, I really, I'm, I've really just struggled all week on how do you put this into three points in a poem. You know, uh, so I want to read it for you. Let's see where the Lord takes it today. Starting in chapter 2 and verse 17. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering, on the sacrifice of the service of your faith. Now remember, let's talk about what a drink offering is before we go any further. A drink offering was something that I mentioned earlier in communion that was just poured out and it completely evaporated. All the other offerings left a tangible, something that you could reach out and touch. Even if it was consumed by fire, you could still reach out and you could touch the ashes. You could reach out and touch every offering. There was something left of every offering in the Old Testament. But the drink offering was that of, of difference. It was only mentioned three times in the book of Leviticus. The drink offering was an offering that when you applied the offering to the altar, there was no tangible result left. You couldn't reach out and touch it. You couldn't see it. You could only smell it. And what it was was when the offering had been laid out, it left a sweet savor to the Lord. As, it, as the offering was there to appease the Lord, the drink offering was poured out as a way of bringing forth the sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Now, so there was nothing left, which means there was no bragging rights to a drink offering. And Paul comes and he says, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering, I, I want my drink offering to be poured out on the sacrifice of your service. What was the one word that we said that keeps coming up in the book of Philippians? Others. Others. Paul says, I don't want my, my life to be poured out as a drink offering on all the churches that I've started in my name. I don't want my life to be poured out as an as a, as a offering on my work, on my labor. I want it to be poured out. If there's anything that I have left of my life, I want it to be poured out and evaporated on your life. On your life, later on, in the, when Paul's writing his mentor in the ministry, his son in the ministry, Timothy, in 2 Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my race, and even now I am being poured out as a drink offering. Paul was the only New Testament person to really grasp what the drink offering was about. And the reason why, because drink offerings move you from being a from uh, understanding uh, Christianity on this, in the form of religion to understanding Christianity 
as a lifestyle. Now, we have a lot of religion in America. Matter of fact, we have a, a situation in America where the church has become so powerless because the, we have fulfilled what the prediction of the church would be that we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And one of the reasons is because the New Testament church has just not been quite willing from the pulpit starting there on down to be the drink offering, to be poured out on the sacrifice and the faith of other people. And so Paul writes this, he says right here, even if I am being poured out, I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith. I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. With all of you. And then he moves forward into verse 19 and says, in that, And now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. Paul's in prison. I want to send Timothy to you. Soon so, soon, so that I also may be encouraged when I come back and I hear the news about you. When I get a fresh encounter, a fresh word from the field about what's going on in your faith. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Now think about this. Paul came in contact with a lot of people in his ministry. He had a lot of people under his ministry. But Paul says, I've only got one that can even come close to caring for you the way I would. I was thinking this morning, it's funny how God just puts things on your mind. I was tying my shoes, and, and this guy that I was sitting there tying my shoes, and all of a sudden I thought about this pastor who once was, who had an influence in his life. You know, once pastored a church, once did this, once did that in the name of Jesus, and no longer is on the front line. I just, my heart was heavy. And it's like what Paul is saying is, I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of people in the ministry, but I only know one that understands who you are, Church of Philippi. Only know one that I would genuinely trust to care for you the way that I would. He says, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character. Because he has served with me in the gospel ministry. Like a son with a father, we have served together. And he continues in this. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things are going with me. And then in verse 24. And I am convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come to you very quickly. Paul says, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. But I considered it necessary, though, to send to you apparatus, my brother, my co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and your minister to my need. See, the church of Philippi wasn't just a church in name only. They wasn't just a church that talked about missions, but they sent out their own to get on the front line. He says, and they had sent apparatus to him, and since he has been longing for all of you. Now, now, stay with me. He's longing to see the church of Philippi. Why? Because he was distressed when you heard that he was sick. Now, the only reason he wants to come home is because probably his mama and his grandma and his aunt and his uncle, they're all upset because there is old apparatus out there on the mission field, and he's sick, and, and they're worried about him. So now he wants to come home and reassure them. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. 
That's sick. However, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. What a verse. For this reason, Church of Philippi, I am very eager to send him so that you may receive him when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. And then he continues on. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy. Hold men like this man in great honor. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ. Risking, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. God, help this word to become alive in our hearts. Burn it in our hearts. Help us to have a fresh encounter with you. Lord, desperately give me your words to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. I, 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 as I said, I've just been struggling with this all week. And matter of fact, you know, I, I, Ralph came in and I said, let me read you this. And I told Ashley one day, let me read you this. And, you know, as we read through this, it's just hard to grasp. But what we see in this is Paul starts out by saying, I am willing to be a drink offering that I'm poured out on your life. The great outpouring, the great outpouring. The reason Paul was willing to pour his life out was because he understood that Jesus Christ had become the ultimate drink offering and that he had poured his life out on the cross and there was nothing left to his life, that he abandoned everything of himself, that he, that he restricted himself. Last week we looked into chapter 2 in the beginning of it and that he laid aside, he didn't count it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation took on the form of a bondservant, that of a slave, and came in the appearance of men. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that he was willing to pour out his life on the cross. And my brothers and sisters in Christ today, what we need right now in our faith family is men and women who are willing to be uh, their life to be poured out on the sacrifice of of Jesus Christ and then on the sacrifice of other people it's not about us it's not about me it's not about what I can do or who I am but it's about who can I pour my life out to and their life upon that we may come together and be willing to yield it all for the cause of Christ the sake of Christ and the work of the ministry so that Christ may be glorified so that heaven may be exalted and so that hell may be horrified today I think about as a pastor and my heart breaks every time people stop. You see, the Bible says in Romans, they stop in their faith. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul says, I beg you therefore, my brethren, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And therefore, and you know, the part about that verse that I don't like is it's reasonable. It's not beyond the expectation to ask that you would present yourself holy and blameless unto God. A living sacrifice. Now here's the challenge that you and I face. Is when there was a sacrifice in the Old Testament, that dude was going nowhere. It was going nowhere. Because the sacrifice had been slain. The life had been pulled from the sacrifice. 
But because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I on Calvary and laid down his life, he became the great high priest and the great lamb that had been slain before the foundation of the world all in one act. Therefore, you and I do not have to die physically because Christ already has died for us. But we must die spiritually. We must die the spiritual death. The challenge for you and I is that at any moment we can become the living sacrifice that has the ability to get up and run off the altar, to get up and abandon the faith, to get up and run away from the work of God, from the love of God, from the mercy of God, all the love that drew salvation's plan, we can abandon that at any moment. I was talking this week about how that happens. And I said, I don't know how do those how how can that happen in people's life who once saw the miracle of God, experienced the love of God, experienced the grace of God, but yet then one day just walk off and say, I don't want to have any more part of this. It's because they still have the will to make their own decisions. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit war against one another. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And what I want you to understand today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that what the devil wants is he wants big churches that are full of people that are happy about going to churches. What the devil wants more than anything is big churches with little impact. But what the devil doesn't want is a church that has a big impact and it doesn't matter about the, the amount of people. You see, it doesn't matter how big your congregation may be. It doesn't matter about how big your bank account may be as to what you can do for the kingdom. What really matters is, am I willing to give the one thing that I do have and it be my life and that my life would be willing to be poured out as a drink offering to Jesus Christ upon the church that I attend, upon the family that I am part of in the cause of Christ. I mean, listen to me here. Paul was saying, I am willing for my life to be poured out on the work of a church. Yet people leave their faith families all the time. Because they don't have... It, because as, as God moves, as God's power is poured out in fresh ways, as God gets... Is God has the ability to be bigger in one body. It seems to make us smaller. I was telling Will this morning, you know, my life as your pastor is smaller than what it once was. It doesn't mean that I do less. It means I do more, I do less, more. I don't do more or less. But what it does is that as other people step up and their life begins to to mature and the faith begins to mature that all of a sudden we get to pour our life out on other people's that's called discipleship for a very long time in my ministry for about 12 years I guess I probably averaged about 20 revivals a year plus being a full-time pastor plus preaching as many one-night gigs as I could and I remember people would tell me pastor you're going to be an evangelist and I say no I'm not an evangelist yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, I see one day you'll have a motorhome just tour the country. I said, no, I'm not. And they said, well, why not? Because those lives, those people have a life 
of jumping from one place to another, one place to another. And the thing that I desire more than anything is being able to see people who come in, as Pastor Ralph said, like an old broke-down van out there that needs a little tune-up, needs a little AC work, needs a little adjustment on the carburetor, and their lives have been battered and they've been torn and they have been afflicted. I love seeing people who come in with all of their baggage. They find their way to the mercy seat of Jesus Christ, and at that mercy seat... They find help in their time of need. They see God for who He is, them for who they really are. And at that moment, that eclipse, that crossroad, that intersection, there's divine intervention by a thrice holy God. And He takes all of their brokenness, places it into the great recycling machine of the cross of Calvary, buries all the dross down into the depth of the sea, posts a no fishing sign that says, Don't you go there. Don't you drag that mess out anymore. I've already cast it away as far as the east is from the west. I don't remember it anymore. What sins are you talking about? You keep coming back saying, Oh God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Oh God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. What you talking about? We settled that score a long time ago. What God is looking for is people who are willing to understand, number one, what He's done for you, and He's willing to say, would you do that for other people? Paul's in prison, and his biggest concern is that he's got nobody to go to the city of Philippi and love on the saints and the deacons and the elders and the bishops and the church of Philippi. He's not worried about his next meal. He didn't say, church of Philippi, can you send me um, an extra uh, hundred bucks and I'll, 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 find a, I'll pray over a handkerchief and send it to you. He didn't, he didn't say those things. He didn't say, if you could do this or you could do that for me. No, what he says is, above all else, you are my greatest concern. Who's going to care for you? Who's going to decide? you who's going to continue the work of the ministry who's going to be the hands and feet of Jesus that are believing in that are propping up that are encouraging that are seeing through the most difficult times in your life who are they and he says I'm sending Timothy to you and if you think you're going to complain about Timothy you might as well stop because there's nobody else who can even come close to doing what Timothy does there's nobody else that can love you the way Timothy loves you. There's nobody else that can care for you the way that Timothy cares for you. I have no one else. I'm sending you the very best. And then he says, Church of Philippi, you get it. There's Arapaditis who you've sent to us. Sent to me. You heard I was in prison. And you didn't come saying, Paul, what can we get from you? But you came and you ministered to me and you sent him to me who did not love his life unto death but was in the work of the ministry on the front line and he got so sick that he almost died because of what he was doing for the kingdom. But I want you to know he's a hero. He never backed up. He never let up. He never flinched one minute. He stuck with the stuff. And I'm sending him back to you so that you won't worry about him anymore. And let me tell you something, Church of Philippi, when you get him back there, you better honor him as a hero. You better esteem him highly because there's not many of them out there. I'm not interested in how many people that we can gather up at one time because that's not how we judge success. That's not how Christ judges success. 
What I am interested in is how many people can we let feel the love of Christ this week? How many people can we pour our life out upon the work of their faith, the work of the ministry? How many people can we invest our lives into this week? You see very clearly. To be a drink offering. There's a couple things to have the great outpouring that must happen. To be poured out, you must have first been filled up. You can't give something you don't have. You ever wondered why some people in church are so mean? We were shopping this week and went into an old store and I told my wife as we went in the parking lot, I said, that old lady reminded me of somebody who used to chair the committee on committees. And we've been the first one to say, she's just working the cash register. But boy, I, I guarantee you she chairs some committee somewhere in some church that gives them the what for. See, people say, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, I mean, people go to the bar with them. They go everywhere else with them. The church is not the hypocrite. You can only give what you've got. And a lot of time I think we expect people to give something that they don't have. And then when they can't give what they don't have, we as preachers just want to preach harder and longer. Church, for us to be able to really pour out the love of Christ, you've got to have it. You've got to know that you weren't born saved. That you were not born sanctified and you were not born being filled with the Spirit. You got to know that I don't care if you got that you were saved at the age of eight years old, you were still a wicked, no good, hell pound sinner as an eight year old. I know that may upset some of you today. But I want you to know that our life is undone without the love of Christ in it. To be poured out, you must be filled up. To be filled up, you must be willing to be poured out. I love what the Bible says in Jeremiah. It says, my people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken the living God. And then number two, they have forsaken the fountain of living water. And they have hewn for themselves their own cisterns that have false bottoms. And they're leaking all the water out. To be filled up, you must be willing to be poured out. To be poured out, you must have a life that is surrendered to Christ. It goes back to chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, make this mind, make your attitude the attitude of Christ. Not who love to have preeminence in the church, but who love to decrease so that Christ may increase. A life of surrender. Not my will, but thine be done, Lord. A life of restraint, a life of emptiness. I mean, we looked at chapter 2 in two places, but it went all the way through. How could apparatus stay on the front line the whole time? Because he had emptied himself. Because he was living a life of surrenderance. Because he was living a life of surrenderance, he was living a life of submission. What does submission mean? To yield yourself to the authority of another. What did Jesus say? If any man wants to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. To be poured out, you must live a life of not only surrenderance and submission and a life of service, but you will, if you will live a life of service, the service of others, 
doesn't it just fire you up this week as we have celebrated the independence of our nation and you've read stories of the men who gave it all, who poured out their blood so that you and I may achieve and attain and enjoy the freedoms that we possess today. Doesn't it just fire you up as a citizen of this country to know that so many men gave it all and to see others squander it? I mean, doesn't it just fire you up that people can get fired up over one thing, but then they don't get fired up at all over people burning the flag, mocking our country, ridiculing everything about that That'll fire you up. But you know what ought to fire us up? It's people that bear the name of Jesus. Profess to have known him that shed his blood on Calvary for us. Profess to know the one who became sin who was not sin, so that we might become the righteous sons of God. It ought to fire us up to see believers living their life as a half-baked Christian. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. You can reach us at 318-308-3754. Looking for childcare? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762.